Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Guys, thank you so much for for tuning in with us today. And uh, today I really just want to have a conversation. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, uh, my name is Cody Woodard. I'm the, the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. And I'm just honored that you would spend some time with me. I realize that um, it may have not been what we, we thought it was going to be in person, but man, we're so thankful for the technology um, that we have and that we get to offer a, a, hopefully a short-term solution to what we hope is a short-term problem. And so today I, I really just want to have a conversation with you and, uh, and be honest because I think, um, I think right now we are living in a time where um, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of fear. And so uh, today um, we may uh, we may just dive into some things, and, and, and God's just really been teaching me a lot in this season. And um, you guys gonna stay up here with me? That's cool. Let's uh, yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I want to have them up here. The room, so the room's not so empty. They're gonna help me help me teach today. And I know for some of you, it may be your first time, um, man, being a part of a church and, and watching a message online or engaging in worship. And so I just want to say thank you and, and welcome to you. Um, man, this really is a community of people where you really can belong before you believe. And so whether you are a believer or not, uh, we're just glad that you would tune in with us. And uh, today I want to I talk through kind of what we're all dealing with, um, because I think if we're honest, um, we're, we're conflicted, right? Like in, in this season where there's so much of of the unknown, uh, there's so much worry, there's so much fear. Um, if I'm just being honest, uh, I'm, I've been frustrated this whole week. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've just been really frustrated with what's been going on and, and really just like sitting around the house and not, and not being able to do anything. Like I absolutely hate being quarantined. I don't know about y'all, but I hate being quarantined. Like I am like, I always got to be busy. I always got to be doing something. And so the last thing I want to do is to be trapped in my house. Um, and, and it's been, it's been difficult, right? Like it's been difficult with a 20 month old, um, that I'm trying to entertain every day and trying to figure out like, how do I like, how do I do something new to keep this kid entertained? And it's just been frustrating. Um, and I am so daggum ready for the coronavirus to end. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. Like if you're on the screen, you need to type amen. Like I am so, I'm so tired of doing it. And the hardest thing for me is this season of waiting. And we're in this, we're in this series uh, called you asked for it. And uh, this past week, I went live on, on Facebook and, and just kind of had some people ask some questions. And, and one of the questions I continued to get, and really that I've been asking, is like, Man, what do we do in the waiting? Because uh, I hate it. And I don't know about y'all, but it's like, what do we do, what do, we do during this time? Because um, it is. It's, it's difficult. And, uh, and like, I think we all just want to get back to our normal lives and our normal routines. And like people are doing 10, 10 push-up challenges on Facebook just to pass time. Uh, and, and we all really want to, to just get back to like our daily routine. And it's frustrating and it's conflicting and we hate waiting. And it really reminds me of like when I was a kid, some of y'all don't know about this, but when I was a kid, Bethany, you probably don't know about this either. We had a thing called dial-up internet. And uh, you, had to, you had to dial up on the internet. And if somebody got on the phone and kicked you off, it was frustrating. Frustrating, and I just feel like you know that's that's it, and we get frustrated. You know, last week we had Facebook crash because the church shut it down. Amen, and uh, and it was lagging, and uh, we we hate waiting, and I, and I'm conflicted too because I think as frustrating and as hard as this has been, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I know people's jobs have been affected. Um, 
people have been infected and physically and emotionally and spiritually, and it's just been difficult. But in the same, in the same regard, um, if, if I'm being transparent with you, there's a part of me as frustrated as I get. Um, I'm also grateful for the things that God is teaching me right now. Like as much as I don't want this to ever happen again in my lifetime, um, I'm grateful for the time with my family. Um, I'm grateful for the time with my son. Uh, I'm grateful for the time just to be able to slow down and, and spend time with God. And if I'm being honest, like a part of me, like I needed this, right? And, and as much as I hate that this is what's brought me to the realization that I needed to be able to slow down, um, I, I really do. I feel like God's been, been teaching me some things over the past couple of, uh, of days being quarantined in. And, and really, that's just what I want to talk to you about is what do we do in this waiting season? When we're, we, we are kind of conflicted with frustrations, but we're also seeing like it's kind of been nice to spend time with our family and friends. And so what do we do in the waiting? And that's what I'm going to talk about if you're taking notes. If you guys are taking notes, you can kind of write down the title of what to do while we wait. What to do while we wait. And so here's what I want to do. I want to give you five things that God's been teaching me. And they all start with the letter P, of course. <laughs> uh, P's kind of in the middle of the alphabet. I don't know. P's because I'm a preacher, or maybe it's just for pan- pandemic. I don't, I don't know. But I'm going to give you five P's that, that God's been teaching me. Hopefully, they'll be memorable for you. And, and so in Ephesians chapter 5, I shared a little bit this uh, online the other night. I kind of want to revisit it in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is, uh, is talking to the church in Ephesus. And starting in verse 15, it's just really been a verse that God has just continued to go back uh, and put on my heart every single day. He says this, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to start out breaking this down. Uh, Verse 15, it says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Some translations say, be careful how you walk. Yesterday, if, uh, yesterday, a couple days ago, I, I was on Instagram, and I, I walked into this cow pasture. And as you can imagine, in a cow pasture, um, there's evidence that cows are there, if you're tracking with me. And, and one of the things I didn't do was I didn't put a blindfold on and start walking through the pasture. Right? Why? Because I know that most likely I'm going to step into some crap. Right? And so when, when I read this, like I can't help but think, when he says to be very careful how you live, how you walk, what he's saying is, is like, life has got some stuff you can step in. And if you're not careful and you walk around with blindfolds on, you're going to step into some crap. And some of us wonder why we keep falling in and keep stepping into the same stuff. And the, real, the reality is, is that it's because we're, we're not paying attention. We're not living wise. We're not watching where we walk. And so one of the things that, um, one of the things that I've learned is, is that the, the decisions that we make aren't always based on is it sinful or not. I used to have these conversations with, with teenagers all the time. They would ask me this one question all the time. They would say, Cody, how far is too far? You ever ask that? How far is too far? And I think the reason why we make bad decisions is because we're asking the wrong question. 
We asked the question, like, how far is too far? The reason we kept stepping into some crap is because it's the wrong question. The question isn't how far is too far. Sometimes the question isn't even, is it sinful or not? But is it wise? And so when I get, when I get that question, they're like, well, you know, how far is too far? You know, is it, is it, is it okay to kiss my, my, my girlfriend? You know, or... Um, is it, is it okay for me to lay in the bed with my boyfriend or girlfriend and, and watch Netflix? Is it sinful? And I'm always like, look, I, it's not necessarily sinful, but it's stupid, right? And so you probably shouldn't do it because I don't know if you know this, but there's no such thing as storks, okay? That's not how you got here, all right? So I would talk, you're asking the wrong question. It's not necessarily is it sinful or not. It's is it wise or unwise? That's the the better question. So let me, let me get back to my five P's. Let me give you the first one. Paul says this, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So here's the first P. In this season of waiting, we got to learn to prioritize. We have to learn to prioritize. See, there's this idea of being balanced in life. And, and I get where that comes from, but really I would say that a lot of times balance is a myth. And so the goal isn't to be balanced in everything. The goal is to be better in what matters most. The goal isn't to be balanced in everything. The goal is to be better in what matters most. And so what do we, what do we prioritize? Right? It says to understand what the Lord's will is. I think the first thing that you and I have to prioritize is God. If there's anything he's been teaching me in this season, I would say that God is number one, but my calendar and my schedule don't always reflect that. And, and so for me, he's saying, Cody, I, I, want you to, I want you to begin again to prioritize your relationship with me. So I've been thinking, like, what does that look like, you know? And, and really, I think it starts with, with spending time with him in his word. That in order to understand what the Lord's will is, you have to know the Lord. And, and so you're never going to understand what he wants you to do if you don't read what he's already said. And so for you and I, I think where we start, one of the things we can do in this waiting season is to prioritize our time with God, to actually open up his word. Because here's why. If I neglect my time of learning about who God is and what he says, I'll start making decisions based on how I feel and what I think. Right? So like if, if I'm not focusing on who God is and what he says, all of a sudden in this season, we'll begin to make decisions based on how we feel and, and what we think. And so, you know, in a season like this, when tragedy happens, we start asking this question, why? You ever ask that? Like, God, why is this happening? I, I, don't, I don't understand. And, and I think there's nothing wrong with, with asking why. I think, I think all of us, we, we, we ask why. Because we don't understand, right? And we, we get frustrated, not just about this pandemic happening, but with other things in our life. I don't know if y'all know, but people still got issues going on other than just this, right? And, and we, we ask why. But here's what I would say to you. Let's not neglect, um, let's not neglect the fact that we don't always know why and we don't always understand why. Let's not neglect the fact that there really are some issues going on and we don't have the, we don't have the answers for them. But what I do know is that God will use them. And so one of the questions I've been asking myself is, God, what is it you're trying to teach me in this season? Because I don't like it. And what happens is this. I wrote this down. It says, when I don't know why, when I don't know what, when I don't know when, and I don't know how, you always have to go back to who. 
right? You, you, when you don't know why, you don't know what, you don't know when, you don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to get better, how it's going to fix. The key to getting through a waiting season is always going back to who? Because you got to focus on who's in control. Who is my faith in? Not what is my faith in or when is my faith or where it is. It's who is your faith in? Because the reality is, is God still sits on the, on the throne. And so I, I'm going to put my faith in who I know, not what I understand, right? In, in who I know, not, not when I need the answer or, or not understanding every little bit of what's going on. I build my life on who controls the solar system. And I trust that he knows when and he knows how everything will work together. And so it starts with us prioritizing this time with God and trusting that he is in control. So focusing on who he is. I'm going to keep reading. It says this. It says, don't get drunk on wine. <laughs> I think that's a funny, I think that's a funny timely scripture for this time, right? It's like, why do you not get drunk on wine? Because no matter how much you drink or what you think, peace ain't found in Pinot. Come on. Peace ain't found in Pinot Noir, right? Like don't get drunk on wine. Sorry, I've had too much time on my hands, y'all. Um, he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, and make music from your heart to the Lord always, giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So he says, what do we do in the waiting? We, we praise God. That's not the other P. I'm just, it just came straight from the, the passage here. We, we got to praise God. And then he says to thank him for all that he's done. That, that's where, where prayer comes in. And so peace isn't found in Pino. Peace isn't even found in the absence of fear. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. And so what happens when we pray, when we praise God, prayer and praise will empty worry and fear of its power. And what it does is it allows us to experience the peace of God. And this changes everything because peace isn't found in what I know, it's found in who I know. It's not to try to live a fear-free life, though that would be great. But peace is found in the presence of Jesus. And here's what God's been teaching me. Sometimes it takes moments of great fear to have moments of great faith. Ask Peter, right? Like when I'm in the middle of a storm, what, what, what you gotta be, I'm gonna have to preach a little bit. Like when, I, when you're in the middle of a storm, you, you, don't, you don't get focused on what's around you. You don't, you don't focus on the, the wind that's happening around you or the water that's focusing, that, that's, that's stirring up beneath you. If you wanna get through a storm without sinking, you focus on who's in control. It's like I'm gonna fix my eyes on, I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus and that's what I wanna encourage you with is that you, you gotta focus on who, not what. You got to focus on his timing, not your timing. So it's okay to ask the question why. It's okay to wonder what. It's okay to ask how. But if you want to have peace in the middle of a pandemic, it starts with who? Y'all tracking with me? And so we have to prioritize what matters most. The goal isn't to be balanced in everything, it's to be better at what matters most. And so what I would say is to prioritize your time with God. And then for me, it's kind of the idea of the big rocks. You remember the illustration where you put the big rocks in the jar first? And so you start with God, and then for me in my life, here's what this looks like when it comes to priorities. I have my relationship with God, and then I have my relationship with my spouse. And then I have my relationship with my son. 
and then there's my ministry. And see, the key to the first three is that no one else can do them for me, <laughs> right? Like no one else can spend time with God on my behalf. You can pray for me, you can learn, but my growth is my responsibility. And so it's my responsibility to spend time with God. Um, no one can love my wife the way God's called me to love my wife. They can try. I said this other night, and somebody tries, they're going to learn the real meaning of turn the other cheek, right? But for me, it's like in this season, I got to love my wife the way God's called me to love my wife. No one else can be the dad for my son. If there's anything this season has taught me is to slow down and to prioritize what matters most. And what I've learned is that if I will get the first three in order, everything else will be in order. See, I didn't mention ministry because here, here's what happens is, is if I don't get the first three in order and I get them out of order, um, somebody can lead the church other than me. And oftentimes the reason why that happens, you see pastors removed, is because they get these out of order and they put their ministry in front of their family. Right? And, and so the reality is, is though you, you, can't, you can't live out my calling either. So I have to take seriously my time with God, my time with my wife, my time with my kids, and I have to take seriously my calling. And so if you're going to have peace in this pandemic and you're going to get through the waiting, you got to prioritize. Let me give you number two. You got to be present. You got to be present. One of my favorite scriptures is found in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's a story of Mary and Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. I'm going to talk about Martha syndrome for a minute if I can. Here's what it says. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he has said. If, you're, if you've got your Bible, you can underline that word listening. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Y'all say Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I think in this season, I have the tendency, because I'm going stir crazy, to have Martha syndrome. And what I've learned is that my serving him can replace my knowing him. And if I'm not careful, I will begin, I get so busy that I actually forget who's in the room. And so the problem isn't, is God in the room? The problem oftentimes is, is am, am I? The, the problem isn't in this situation, where's Jesus? The problem is, is where, where's Martha? Because see, what Martha does is maybe out of good intention, but she begins to focus on things and get distracted by things that Jesus never asked her to do. She's in there making him pimento cheese sandwiches that he didn't order. I don't know why I said pimento cheese. Another P. Um, but what happens is, is y'all, we, we get so busy and we, we feel like we got to always be doing something. And what Mary does, Jesus says, she chose the better portion. What's the better portion? It's sitting at his feet. She, she learned to just to listen and to be, and to be present. I love this quote. If the enemy can't have you jumping into depravity, he'll take you slipping into distraction. If he can't have you jumping into depravity, he'll have you slipping into distraction. So I think the reason why a lot of times we miss moments with our family, and I miss moments with my wife because I'm distracted by Facebook, which is ironic because you might be watching on there right now. 
But it's so easy in this season just to kind of to veg out and, and be in the room, but not really be present in the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where you're, you're there, but you're not really there. And so what I want to encourage you is I want to encourage you in this season of waiting to prioritize what matters most and to be and to be present, to learn to just sit still and listen. Not just to God, but but to your family, to your kids. Let me give you the third P. You got to be patient. (laughs) How many of y'all like patience? I hate it. It's so hard. It's really the idea of waiting. I stuck it in the middle because it's the one none of us like. And I'm going to be honest with you. If there is like the least favorite command in all of scripture for me is to be patient. If there's like the one thing I would go, what do you struggle with the most? It's to be patient because I'm that type A. I always got to be going and I want what I want when I want it. We hate waiting. And and so God's been teaching me, Cody, if if you're going to, if you're going to persevere through this pandemic, you're going to have to learn to be patient and see, patience has to do with trusting God's timing. That the reality is we don't always get what we want when we want it. And if, if we're really going to say that we trust Jesus, we've got to trust the timing of Jesus. We have to be patient and allow God to move and allow God to do what he's going to do in his timing. That we've got to trust he's in control and we're not in control. What my pastor in college said it this way, the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had. That's good. good. The only thing worse than waiting on God, because it's hard to wait on God. It's hard to be patient, but the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had. Because what happens is, is we get so far out in front of him, and then we look around and we wonder where we're at, and God's going, hey, I haven't moved yet. And you were so busy about getting preparations together that I didn't ask you to get yet. And so we have to learn to be patient. One of my favorite, um, I guess, examples of, of patience is this. Um, one of the most, this is a story really quick. One of the most frustrating things that can ever happen to an oyster is to have lodged within its shell a tiny grain of sand. And so this is what happens. Uh, 99% of the time, the oyster is able to locate the grain of sand, but What happens when it locates is it is actually able to remove the grain of sand from its shell and go on about doing what oysters like to do, whatever that may be. (laughs) I don't really know. Um, But now there are these rare occasions that no matter how hard the oyster tries to remove the grain of sand, on occasion, like 1% or less, it's unable to. And it can't change the, the sand. It can't change the situation. And so here's the, what happens is, is the oyster is trying to do everything it can to remove the sand. And what happens is when it can't remove the sand, it begins to essentially medicate and it begins to coat the sand over and over and over. And it begins to calcify. I think a lot of times that's what we do. Like when, in seasons of frustration, when there's sand that we can't get out and we can't change, we begin to coat it with things. And over time, it calcifies. But what I love about the, the oyster is over time, it begins to rely on what it was created to do. And it locates the sand, and it coats it over and over with this liquid substance. And that grain of sand turns into something. The ladies, y'all pay top dollar for a pearl. And see, you don't get pearls without grains of sand. 
Pearls don't form overnight. A lot of times the problem is, is that we want the pearl, just not the process. We want to get through the season or we want to escape from the season. But maybe God wants to use the season. Maybe the question we have to ask is, God, if I can't escape it and and I can't remove this sand out of my life, I'm going to trust that you're actually trying to do something greater because your word tells me you will. And you're trying to turn it into a pearl. You're trying to turn it into something great, that there's a purpose in this process. I shared it last week. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're his masterpiece. You're his precious pearl of grace. And so you don't get pearls without first going through the process. You have to learn how to be patient if you want to experience, if you want to experience the pearl. There are no microwaves in the kingdom, only crockpots. <laughs> and the reality is, is that if he's going to make you into a pearl, you're going to have to be slow cooked. Right? My grandpa used to tell me this all the time. He would say, he would say this. He would say, Cody, um, steaks suck in the microwave. You got to marinate them if they want to taste good. But that's going to take some time. And so if you want to be all who God's called you to be, and you want to get the most out of the season, and you want to be and live to become that, that precious pearl of grace, you're going to have to learn to be patient. I love what James says in, in James 5. Let me turn there really quick. He says this. It's real simple. I love the book of James because it's, it's, it's like wisdom literature. And as I shared in Ephesians 5, I think the key in this season is for us to be, to be wise. And so what James says in, in James 5, verse 7 He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient. Real simple. And then he says, this is an example. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers or sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He says to, if you're struggling with patience and you want an example of how to be patient, look at the farmer, right? Because the farmer, one, I think the farmer teaches us that patience isn't a pity party. Like, I think sometimes we're thinking that patience means we do nothing, but patience isn't that we do anything. What we have to do in patience is we have to work the weight and that there's something that you and I can be doing in this season of waiting While we're waiting, as the farmer waits for his crops to be produced, he's still working the field. So it's not that you just sit back and do nothing. It's doing what you can do and then trusting that God will do what he can do. That's the key to patience. It's it's not just doing nothing and feeling sorry for yourself and throwing a pity party. The farmer goes, hey, listen, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to sow the seed and I'm going to trust that I will reap the harvest, but I got to be I got to be patient. And then he says this in verse nine. He says, don't grumble against one another. That's the easy thing. When we're impatient, we begin to grumble against each other. Grumble is a funny word to me. Uh, Don't compare. (laughs) Don't complain. Don't fight. Um, Grumbling like against God is like saying, um, God, if I had your job, I'd do it differently. So he's saying, don't don't grumble. You got to make the most of this of this moment. And so we have to learn to be patient and trust God's timing if we want to persevere. That's the fourth P. 
is to persevere. That if we want to persevere through a pandemic, if we want to persevere through the waiting season, um, we're going to have to learn to be. We're going to have to learn to be patient. And then he gives us an example of really the the Michael Jordan of patience. <laughs> the Michael Jordan of he's better than LeBron, by the way. Um, he gives us the example of what it means to have patience that leads to perseverance. And so then he leads us to, to Job. In verse 11, he says, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. See, Job lost everything. And the only thing that God doesn't allow happen is for him, to, for him to die. But he loses everything except his faith. He never lost his faith in the season of waiting. He never lost his faith in the season of persecution or of suffering or of pain. It's why he, it's why he says this in Job 19. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Come on. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth. That's a promise for you this morning, that in the middle of this, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of whatever you're going through, that in order for us to persevere, we're going to have to trust God, and you have to know that your Redeemer lives. And that he's still standing. He's still alive. He still sits on the throne. He's still in control, even when we don't feel like he's in control. He's still working, even when we can't feel it. That's why we sing Waymaker. Right? It's why we believe that he wants to turn a grave into a garden. Because in seasons like this, we feel all hope is lost. But the reality is, is it never is with Jesus. That there's always opportunities for God to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. And so here's one of the things he, God put on my spirit is that we got to start preaching our faith to our feelings. And then we always have to let who we know determine how we feel. If we're going to persevere, you got to let who you know, I'm going back to the who you know, dictate how you feel and how you make decisions. Because the reality is sometimes, y'all, God may not always feel good, but the reality is, is he always is good. He doesn't change. And so don't allow a situation like we're going through or whatever it may be in your life when you start asking why and start wondering what and when and all, don't let it confuse you. Don't let it distract you and make you think that God has somehow abandoned you or left you or, or is, is changed. He's still faithful. If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. Amen. And so we have to trust in, in Jesus because there's a bigger purpose to the process. There's a purpose to the pain. And I know it's, I know it's frustrating, but if we want to experience the pearl, we got to go through the process. I know I don't like sand, especially when it gets in my pants in the, in the, at, the, at the ocean, you know? It's frustrating. But somehow God, somehow God uses it. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I just had to get you to laugh a little bit. I'm being serious here for a minute. Let me give you the fifth P, okay? Let me give you the fifth P. Oh, we got to pray. Prayer is the key to perseverance. I love this because... I think the reason why I began to get frustrated this past week is because it's really hard to have the right perspective. And what happens is, is when, when we begin to pray and begin to ask God to, 
to speak to us and we begin to acknowledge that he's in control. Um, prayer gives you a different perspective. Because see, our perspective is we see everything from the bottom up. But when we pray, we begin to see things from the top down. And so what prayer does is prayer, it flips perspective on its head. Man, that was good. I'm going to say that again. Prayer flips perspective on its head. And so now if you will spend time in prayer, your perspective, you won't see things at a surface level. You see things from a heavenly level. And so it begins to help you see the way that God sees. That I can already begin to see how God is using this season. Just this past week, we had two people give their life to Jesus and want to be baptized over the screen. Right? Like God can use this season. He never wastes a season. You need to write that down. He never wastes a season. And so even in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our frustration, we got to commit to pray and just get honest with, honest with God. When you pray, you gain the perspective of heaven so you can live out your purpose on earth. Verse 13 in, in, in James 5 says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Y'all, I'm telling you, there is, there is power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Yeah. And if we will commit to pray, God will be faithful. God, God's going to be faithful. He says, if you're, if you're sick, to have people pray over you, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be healed. God wants to do something in this moment. And you and I, we have to, we have to commit to saying, God, in a season where we feel out of control, we're trusting that you're in control. And so I just want to encourage you today to be, to be honest with God. I talked about this a couple weeks ago that a question I get a lot is, is, you know, what do I pray about? And I tell people, you know, you, you pray about everything. About everything. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. That he's faithful. And if we will keep seeking and keep knocking and keep asking, he's faithful to his promise. The door will be opened. I declare that today. So I got asked this last week on, a, on our live stream. Uh, I said, Cody, what do you pray about? Easy answer is everything. I try to. Um, but what do you pray about maybe when you're not necessarily praying about somebody else? I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm praying about in this season right now is that God would use this and that a revival would happen. Do I believe that? I believe, I believe a revival is going to happen. I believe that God wants to take things that are dead and turn them to life because he is in the business of resurrections. But you don't get a resurrection without a graveyard. Like sometimes things have to to die. And, and the reality is, is that you and I will never experience a resurrection until we die to ourselves, die to our control and say, God, you're in control. Will you start a revival in me? 
So if you wanna know how a revival starts, if you wanna begin to pray and ask God, God, do it again. God, change a city, change my family. If you wanna know how revival starts, here's what you do. You draw a circle around you and you don't get out of the circle until revival happens in you. That God wants to do something in and through your life. He wants to turn graves into gardens. He wants to make a way where there is no way. So if we want to see revival happen around us, revival is going to have to first happen within us. And so maybe today that you're watching in, maybe, maybe this is the first time you've tuned in to a church in a long time. Maybe for you, you have been worried sick. And, and it's just hard to figure out how to navigate this season. Maybe you've been frustrated. But maybe it goes deeper than that. Maybe for you, the, the reality is if we're honest, maybe the reason we can't experience peace is because we haven't began a relationship with the one who gives peace. Because peace isn't found in the absence of fear. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. And so today I would love to just have an opportunity to, to pray for you. That you would know the peace of Jesus. That you would submit your life to him. That you would trust him with your sin. Paul tells us in Romans that if anyone is to call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And we say that word saved, I know in culture, especially in the South, it Sometimes we're like, well, what does that really mean? It's, it's being saved from your sin. It's being saved from the penalty. The Bible teaches us that you and I are dead in our sin, but through Christ we can be made alive. That it's not just about us getting to heaven, but getting heaven into us. That God wants a relationship with you. And so he says that the way you and I can be saved is we will call upon the name of the Lord trust his grace, that there's nothing you have to do to earn his love or earn his forgiveness. So it's a free gift to you by grace through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. So right now, I would just love to pray for you. I hope that this conversation was helpful for you, but I would just love to pray for you. And if today you want to surrender your life, if you want to say, God, I am stepping off the throne. I'm no longer going to try to live my life in control. God, I'm giving it to you. I would love for you to pray this with me. Pray, Father, thank you for who you are. God, I trust you. Today, I give you my life. And I believe that you died on the cross for me. That you resurrected from the grave so that I can be forgiven and set free. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to we would love to know about it. We don't want you to walk through this life alone. That healing happens in community. And so we want to walk alongside you via the internet in this season, but we want to come alongside you and do life with you. So our prayer today as a church, our prayer today right now is that God would start a revival in you so that he could start a revival through you. 
Today, our prayer is that he would do it again. Can we sing that? Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church slash give. Have a great day.